Thank you, Susan. My name is Kaosha, and I'm a grateful member of Alateen. I'm going to get ready. Thank you for having me speak today. I am truly honored. The last time I spoke at a meeting, well, I don't think it was as large as this, but I was really nervous. I was so nervous that my knees were shaking so hard I wasn't for sure if I could stand. Thankfully, I had a jeep there, and he gave me some comforting advice. He told me, if you're nervous, just pray to God. He said, that way, if you mess up, it'll be his fault. (laughs) Well, if he would have said that to me about four or five years ago, I would have gotten offensive. First of all, I'm perfect. I don't mess up. Second of all, I mess up. (laughs) Second of all, I don't need any help at all. I think that is a character defect of a lot of Al-Anons. Many of us, including me, have grown into believing that we have to be perfect for numerous reasons. For me, I learned very early in life that if I wanted to be loved, I had to be perfect. My story is a pretty typical one. It all started when my mother was a senior in high school. She was 18, and she had to quit high school because she was pregnant with me. Eleven months after that, my mother and father had yet another girl, Bianca. A year and five months after that, my parents had yet another child, Cassie. Then my parents got married. (laughs) With With each child, my parents abused substances even more. And by the time my brother Richard was born, ten months after that, my brother was born with fetal alcohol effect. That is caused when the mother is pregnant when the child is growing inside her. He also suffered through heart surgery and hernia surgery as a baby. Whenever I start to feel sorry for myself, all I have to do is look at my brother. As a child... He went through heart surgery and hernia surgery. He was born with FAE. He has diabetes insipidus. He has ADHD. He has oppositional defiant disorder. He also lives in a institute, a development training center, four hours away from us. I think that a lot of people tend to, especially if things have gone wrong in their life, feel sorry for themselves. They pity themselves or as my mother says, they go on the pity pot. And they tend to look about, look at what, what's wrong with them and what's happened to them, and they get start feeling sorry for them. I think that, especially for me, any person, all they have to do is look around, and there's people that, have going, that are going through something so much more. I'm definitely grateful for what I'm going through. I wouldn't want to be a person that has to deal with cancer, or be a mentally handicapped person struggling to go through school. And I think that all we have to do is look at those that are less fortunate than us, and then we can get down on one knee and thank God for what we do have. Back to my story. By the time my mother was 21, she had four children. Both of my parents were alcohol and drug abusers. Not only did they abuse the substances, but they also abused us. My father physically and sexually abused all three girls, and my mother physically abused all four children. 
we were also being neglected. A lot of not-so-good memories came into that household. I remember being so afraid when my mom would come home because I knew she would be drunk, and we were always so worried of what kind of mood she would be in. I also remembered that I tried to protect my sisters. I started sleeping in the rug in front of the door. That way, if my parents came home drunk, I would be the one they would hurt instead of my sisters. I also remember always being hungry. I remember that one time we found a little tray full of miniature bunnies hidden underneath the cupboard. My sisters and I were so excited, we wanted to eat them all at once. The mother and me took over, and I decided that we should keep them and savor them. That way we would have enough to eat. I would split the chocolates into three, the little bitty chocolates about that big, and I'd give one to my sister, one to my other sister, and I would eat one, and that would be our meal for the day. If both of my sisters were really hungry, I would split it in two and give them to my sisters. One time I got really hungry, and I decided to make macaroni and cheese. I don't know if I turned the stove on or not, but I remember thinking it wasn't as good as the way Mom made it, but it was food just the same. I also remember my mom waking Bianca and Cassie and me up in the middle of the night. She would make us put on her shoes and get to the car, get into the car. Then she would drive us to the bar. I remember being in that car for so long. We were all so scared. We had no idea where we were at or how long we would be there. A couple of times she would stick us into the trunk. We soon found out that it was the type of car where you could get through the trunk, from the trunk to the back seat and vice versa. It, when our mom would go into the bar, we would crawl out of the trunk and go into the back seat. We would then stay there and wait until we saw her coming, and then we'd crawl back into the trunk. There are many things that I don't remember, but was later told to me. For instance, Richard, my brother, was failure to thrive, in part because my mother didn't feed him. She used to go to the doctor, and he was placed on a feeding tube. However, my mother refused to learn how to place the feeding tube into Richard, so they had to teach my neighbor. The doctors believed that she would remove the tube in order that night in order so that she wouldn't have to feed them, knowing that if she went to the doctors, they would replace the tube in Richard and feed him as well. When I was four and a half years old, my siblings and I were forcibly removed from my parents. As a child, I couldn't understand why my parents would give me up. Later, I learned they didn't give up so easily. They went to court, and they fought to get their rights back. But even so, I grew up with the belief that my parents didn't love me enough to keep me. It caused for a pretty tough road ahead. I believe that I was such an awful and terrible person that I couldn't be loved. I, I in turn, learned to shut people out. I would only let people get so close to me. After that, I would begin to sabotage our relationship. It was not a healthy way of living, but I believed it was the only way to keep me from getting hurt. Then something bad happened. When I was four and a half years old, my siblings and I were separated. This was the first time I had been separated from my siblings. My sisters and I went to Joe's home and my brother went to Pat's. After a while, my sisters and I moved into Pat's home with Richard. A couple months later, my two sisters had to move into completely separate foster homes. I learned later that the system decided it was best to separate us. 
Bianca, Cassie, and I were abusing each other for the same way that we had been abused. I had also grown up being the caretaker. Bianca and Cassie were looking at me for everything, and I was filling that role. And I did a pretty good job of it, if I do say so myself. Throughout the years, my sisters and I have been struggling with that. Bianca and Cassie would always come and ask me for mother advice. And trust me, I had plenty of it. They would both try and get me to side with them in squabbles, and it seemed that if I sided with them, that I would love them more. I have been in the program for almost four years, and I still have that character defect. I am really good at taking care of others and figuring out what they need to do to change. Back to my story. Fortunately, Richard and I did get to stay together. Pat was our home away from home. And Richard really grew to love Pat. Richard and I also got very attached to our foster sister, Joanne. She was our nan. She used to pick us up from school every day, and we would go to the grocery store to buy us uh, Snickers and a Mountain Dew to split. Then something horrible happened, at least in the eyes of a child. Bianca's family decided to adopt her. I was, I was heartbroken. This meant that my hopes and my dreams of my family ever reuniting had been demolished. Then, two years later, I moved into another foster home. Then my sister got adopted. Soon after that, something wonderful happened. When I was eight and a half years old, I was placed into an adoptive home. I was so excited. I read some of the letters that I sent my adopted parents. I told them how I was so excited to be able to move into a new place and to a place where people actually liked me. You see, already at age eight, I was having trouble making and keeping friends because of all of my character defects. Not ever having a real or a normal family, I used to daydream about how my new family would be. I thought that we would be the typical family sitting underneath the tree, watching our big dog run around the yard. I imagined our family being happy and playing with each other all the time. I also envisioned a place where there would never never be any danger or nothing bad would ever happen to me. Imagine the shock when I came home to my new family and for one of my visits, and my adopted dad was placed into the hospital because of dehydration. Then six months later, he was hit by a drunk driver. I was so scared that night. Later, my grandma recalled what I had told her. I said, Grandma, now what's going to happen to us? You see, every place that I've ever lived in, if something went wrong, either Richard or I had to leave. I was terrified that they would put me back into foster care, but thankfully they didn't. Unfortunately, moving away to a new school and a new family didn't help me make friends any better. I never had a friend in elementary for very long, and by the time I was in sixth grade, everyone in the class hated me, including myself. My mom and my dad tried everything to help me see the light. They set up appointment after appointment with the counselors. They tried talking to me, but nothing seemed to work. I was getting bad grades in school, and my mom would ask me why I was doing as poor as work as I did. I told her. And I told her who else was doing bad work. 
One person didn't care about anything, and the others were mentally slower. You see, unconsciously, I was placing myself in the lowest part of our class. That said something about my self-esteem. That is when the light bulb hit me. But it wasn't an easy change. I had absolutely no friends. So I decided to start with me. I figured if I could like the person in the mirror, then I could learn to like anybody. I remember what my dad used to say to me. Be yourself. Never try to be someone you're not. If others don't like you for who you are, that's too bad. But at least you will like you for who you are. I still had some other character defects to work out. I still had a lot of survival skills that I had learned. But now they were not useful, and they were getting me into a lot of trouble. I had a problem with lying. I would lie about anything and everything. I also had a problem with food. If there was a lot of food, I wouldn't be very hungry. But if there wasn't very much, I would be starving. I learned that it was an unconscious thing. If there was a lot of food, I wasn't hungry because I knew there would be more. But if there wasn't much food, I would be afraid that I wouldn't get enough the next time. As you might have guessed, this really irritated my mother. She could never guess how much food to make. Then something happened. It was soon into my eighth grade year. I can remember that night as if it was yesterday. My dad came home from doing, came out, came back inside from doing chores, and he, we could tell that he had something in his pockets. There, and then and there, he took out two beers and set them on the counter. He told to, said to us, guys, I have started to I have decided that I want to start drinking freely now and I think I can handle it. My mom asks, "What happens if you can't handle it?" And he answered with the infamous words, "We'll cross that bridge when we get there." I was really upset. The little girl inside of me was afraid that this was just going to be like the home that I ended up with in my first family. My mother reassured me, telling me that there was only one parent who drank instead of two. Somewhere in all this, Richard was getting to be way too much to handle. The school got to the point where they wouldn't allow him to come back, and they were so and they were afraid for their students and their staff's safety. Richard was then placed into MHI. He now lives in Economowoc at Economowoc's Development Training Center in Wisconsin. I have come to terms with him living there, and I have realized that it is the best thing for Richard. He needs to be at a place in a where he has structure 24/7. In August of 2000, my dad received an OWI. Soon after that, my mom started going to counseling. My dad started to go to AA, and my mom started going to Al-Anon. I had just started high school, and I finally had friends. I was shocked at how many people actually liked me. I had friends from every grade, and finally kids from my own class. But at home, something different was happening. I finally learned to like myself and to have friends. But now that my dad was drinking, I started becoming angry at my family. I was angry with everyone. I was angry at my dad for tearing our family apart. I was angry at my mom because I didn't think she loved me enough. And I was angry at my adopted brother, Louis, because I felt like he was being favored. My dad had an affair, and he moved out in November of 2001. My mom continued with Al-Anon and counseling. I could see a definite change in her over time. I was really curious about Al-Anon. 
I had learned a little about it in school, and my mom was always talking about it. She was always saying something about the 12 steps or slogans like let go and let God, or just for today. She used to say the serenity prayer a lot, too. I wanted to go and see what Al-Anon was really like, so I went to my first Al-Anon meeting. I was kind of lost at first. I recognized some of the things that they were saying, but I didn't really understand what they meant. I do remember thinking that it was really strange that a lot of these women shared the same feelings I did, especially since most of them were 20 years older than me. I felt as if I had a connection with these women because of what they went through, and I really enjoyed my first meeting. The next week, I went along as well. So my mom and I went to Al-Anon as much as we could. My mom and I finally built a relationship together. One thing that I've learned is that I can use my Al-Anon tools anywhere. So many people come to their first Al-Anon meeting expecting to receive a step-by-step packet on how to change the alcoholic. Only later do we learn that the only person we can change is ourselves. I have also learned to use my tools on everywhere in everywhere on everyone. I like the serenity prayer. Sometimes I have to just walk around the school saying, God, grant me the wisdom. God, grant me the wisdom, please. I think the best thing that my mom did was when she decided to take Lewis and I to Dubuque, Iowa for an Alateen meeting. Sure, Al-Anon meetings are nice, but it was really nice to talk to people my own age. We tried to go every week if possible, but it's a long, it was a long way away, long ways away, and Lewis and I were in very, in a lot of activities. But it helps to know that when we do get to go down there, we get the kids' point of view. In 2003, my dad had two more OWIs. Right now, my whole family is working on the program. Even Lewis reads the Alateen book occasionally, and even my dad goes to AA. I have a workbook where I go through most of my t- the 12 steps. I have done almost every step except for steps 8 and 9. I've met- mentally thought of whom I would make amends to, but I'm afraid to do so. My favorite steps are 11 and 12. Like my mom, I use these often. It really helps me to pray every night before I go to bed. I often ask God to help me do things his way instead of mine. I believe that without praying and meditating to God, I wouldn't be able to let go as well. An email that I read struck me with a meaningful quote. When Satan is knocking at your door, simply say, Jesus, could you please get that for me? Like I said before, I'm a good caretaker. I feel as if I can take care of the world. It's pretty easy to look at someone else and tell them what is wrong with them. Besides, if I spend all my time looking at someone else, I don't have to look at myself. I've learned the hard way that I can't fix the whole world. In fact, I can't fix anybody but me. I used to read my books and think, hmm, that's a great one for Bianca. Or, hey, if only Mom could read that one. After a while, I realized what I was doing. Instead of reading the readings for me, I was reading them for the rest of the world. I realized, the funny thing is, is that I realized when I started reading the books for me, the same ones that I said, hmm, that's a good one for them, it fit me to a T. I also had a hard time with resentments. The thing was, I was resenting people 
for the things they couldn't control. I resented Dad because because he was hurting everybody. I resented Louis because I thought our whole family favored him. And I resented Dad because he never came to any of my events. I resented Mom because I didn't think she was this kind of mother she should be. I resented Pat, one of my foster moms, because she gave me up. But my biggest resentment was to my biological parents. I just couldn't forgive them for what they had done for me. Right now, my life is going great. I'm having a terrific senior year, although it's going way too fast. I have wonderful friends and a wonderful family. My mom has actually decided to do foster care. We have a foster sister with us right now. Misty is truly a great person. She has just gotten lost a little bit on her path of life. Hopefully, living with us and watching us be a part of the program, she will learn some valuable lessons in life. We can't change her or do anything for her, but hopefully, living with us and watching us be a part of our program, she will learn some valuable lessons in life in hopes that she will see the way we live and want to join. The program has done a lot for me in my life. It has helped me look at my parents and realize that they were sick. They had a disease called alcoholism, and they couldn't help what they did. It has helped me become a better person. It has helped me deal with everything that's happened to me. I have learned that everything that has happened for me has happened for a reason. Besides, if God brought it to me, I know he will bring me through it. Another thing Alan has helped me deal with is dealing with the everyday issues with the people I'm with. Whenever I'm feeling blue or down, I try to think of something my mom always told me. We are each where we need to be today on our path of life to learn the lessons we need to learn. And in closing, I have an email that I would like to read. Did you hear about the teacher who is helping one of her kindergarten te- students put on his cowboy boots? He asked for help, and she couldn't see why. Even with her pulling and him and pushing, the little boots just didn't want to go on. Finally, when the second boot was on, she had worked up the sweat, and she almost cried when the little boy said, Teacher, they're on the wrong feet. She looked, and sure enough, they were. It wasn't any easier putting the boots back on than it putting the boots back off than it was putting them on. She managed to keep her cool as they worked together to get the boots back off and on his on on this time on the right feet. Then he announced, "These aren't my boots." <laughs> she bit her tongue rather than get right into his face and scream, "Why didn't you say so?" like she wanted to. And once again, she helped struggled to help him pull those ill-fitting boots off his little feet. No sooner than she got them off his feet, he said, they're my brother's boots. My mom made me wear them. Now, she didn't know if she should laugh or cry, but she mustered enough, enough grace and the courage, and she wrestled the boots back on his feet again. Helping him with his coat, she asked, now, Where are your mittens? He said, I stuffed them in my boots. (laughs) Her trials start next month. I believe 
that everybody has trials, big or small. And I believe that the trials that I have gone through has helped me become the person that I am today. And I am thankful and grateful for everything that I have gone through. Thank you.